This is a Cross of Grace Lutheran Church sermon podcast. On Wednesday, April 1st, we gathered digitally for the last of our midweek series on spiritual disciplines. And this evening we talked about the spiritual practice of reconciliation. You might be a little confused as to what exactly reconciliation is. Um, You might be more familiar with the practice, if I use the name confession, or confession and forgiveness. But I actually prefer the word reconciliation because it communicates more than just listing off the ways that we've hurt God and one another which is what we think of confession. And, and with forgiveness, my fear is that that's something of a weakened concept today. I, I'm afraid that many of us find it acceptable to equate forgiveness with the phrase, I forgive you, but I will not forget what you did to me, um, which honestly is far removed from the image of forgiveness that God offers us. God offers us complete and total reconciliation means a, a fully restored relationship with God and with others. So this evening we're going to explore this uh, multifaceted practice. So to begin, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Please pray with me. Holy God, out of your great love for the world, your word became flesh to live among us and to reconcile us to you and to one another. Rekindle among us the gift of your spirit that we might live as one new humanity in Christ, dismantling the walls that divide, ending the hostility between us, and proclaiming peace to all people through Christ Jesus, in whom we all have access in the one spirit to you, both now and forever. Amen. So our first exercise in reconciliation this evening is the order of confession and forgiveness found in the church's liturgy. I'm using the wording that's most likely familiar to you if you've grown up in a uh, liturgical church. And I've broken up the liturgy by sentence, and it'll show up on your screen. Fingers crossed it all works out technologically. Uh, And you're all muted, but you can feel free to read along with me. We're just going to focus on one sentence, and then there will be a minute or two of silence in which you can reflect on concrete examples from your own life that correlate with that particular part of the confession. So... I invite you to engage in this time with open hearts and open minds. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, 
word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. So hear me when I say, God who is rich in mercy loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. So now we turn to the wisdom of Scripture. There will be a period of silence for reflection as we. Uh, prepare for the reading, and as we contemplate the reading afterwards. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. 
First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. So earlier I mentioned that another term for the practice of reconciliation is confession and forgiveness, but there's also another term that addresses this practice, and that is salvation. Now that might make Lutherans a little uneasy to think of salvation as a spiritual practice, because we're inclined to think of salvation as something that takes place entirely on God's side of things. It is by faith that God saves us. We are not saved by our actions. That's absolutely true. And yet, because the restoration of all things is God's ultimate goal, because that is what God promises and offers to us, then there is a particular way that we are to act in response to that gift. Certainly, you can see the fault in the logic of thinking, well, since God has saved me, I do not have to forgive that person who wronged me. And same side of the coin, I don't have to seek forgiveness from the person I wronged. As if salvation is independent of your actions. So I've drawn a lot of uh, inspiration from the writings of Richard Foster as I have learned about spiritual disciplines, and he says this. He says, the Bible views salvation as both an event and a process. It is a discipline because there are things we must do. Not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. It's a consciously chosen course of action that brings us under the shadow of the Almighty. So practicing the discipline of reconciliation, it reorients us to float along with the divine current of God's work in the world rather than swimming upstream as we're so wont to do in pursuit of our own ego-driven desires and pursuits. So one more word of background before we engage in another uh, exercise regarding reconciliation. I recently read a book on the topic of spiritual healing. And this book put me well beyond my comfort zone. And I'm still wrestling with a lot of what the author had to say. But I think it's worth communicating one particular idea. I think you might find it informative. To put it simply, the author, her name is Agnes Samford, suggests that we think about healing, spiritual healing, along the lines of how we think of an electric current. See, the energy flow starts with God, and it flows through you in prayer. You're the conduit, and it's received by the one for whom you are praying. Now, she says that the electrical energy from God is always on. Okay? It's always dependable. It's always there. It's always flowing. What we need to do is make sure that our switch is flipped 
to the on position so that God's energy, God's healing energy can flow to the person for whom we're praying. So if you're praying for some healing for someone in your life, the most important thing that you can do is to remove any barrier that would block God's energy. Again, just something to think about. It's a little different for us, perhaps, to think this way. Uh, or maybe not, because the, the clearest example would be praying that someone would be healed without actually believing that God would heal that person. That, that doesn't really make sense when you think about it. If someone asks you to pray that God would heal them, what that takes is faith that God will heal them. Otherwise, it's no use. And I wonder if that's what's behind Jesus' instruction in Matthew 5, to be reconciled with your brother or sister before offering your gift at the altar, withholding your forgiveness of another, as well as not accepting God's forgiveness of you. It makes it impossible to cooperate with God's ongoing work of restoration and reconciliation in the world. So the stakes are high, which is why we need to practice. So take a moment now to think of someone whom you need to forgive. This exercise will also go the other way um, in addressing the ways you've hurt others and need to ask for forgiveness. But for now, uh, in this first pass through, think of someone whom you need to forgive. Like really do it. Think about that person. The image should come into your mind of this person. This person knowingly or unknowingly hurt you profoundly on a deep, very real level. And you have not yet mustered up the energy to forgive him or her. I get it. Me too. Picture this person. I mean, really picture this person. Get as detailed as you can. This might prove to be the hardest step of this exercise, just picturing in detail this person who's wronged you, because one of the techniques that we use to cling to our condemnation of another is to not think of the offender as a human being, as a real person. The more real they become in our minds, the easier it is to see them as human and therefore worth receiving your forgiveness. So hold this image of the offender. Now identify where in your body you feel the pain of his or her offense. If the offender said you were stupid, think of your brain. If the offender claimed that you have a fundamental character deficiency, think of your heart. If the offender physically hurt you, think of that physical location on your body. 
And now, imagine that that place on your body is being filled with light. The kind of radiant light equivalent to staring at the sun, and yet there is no pain when you look at this light. It is a light that permeates everything, leaving no shadows, no dark corners for anything to hide. That light grows from that one place on your body until your whole body is filled with light, feels warm. Now, see that light shine from you toward the one whom you need to forgive. See this person filled with the same light, warmth, and divine energy. See this person as God sees this person. And that is as a beloved image bearer of the divine, a child of the light. See, God seeks to be reconciled with all things, especially with you, us. God seeks that you would be reconciled with that person, the other. And this is only possible when we invite God's light, energy, and power to work through us in spite of our reservations our fears, or our doubts. This light does not come from us. It comes from God. It fills us, and it goes forth from us. Now I'd like to share a song that I think beautifully captures this uh, idea. Forgiveness is the garment of our courage. 
the power to make the peace we long to know. Let us pray. And with this prayer, I'm going to be using the words of St. Francis of Assisi, or at least the prayer that is attributed to him. You might know this, and so feel free to follow along. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. 